0: <clears throat> this is a Romy cast. One,
1: two, three, four. Do you ever get tired of big Beatles? I play the uh fish, and I play the drums, and
2: I play a guitar, and I too play a guitar. Uh, is he dead? Sit you down, father. Rescue. 12.
1: Can we just have a little less guitar in here for us no like to tell the us? Oh, that's a
2: The bit that John finally got just after that, and we both of us do what we wanted to do. do what we wanted to do. Not bad that one. Keep that one. Mark it fab.
0: Hello there and welcome to another episode of The Walrus Was Paul, a series of podcasts hosted by me, Paul Romanuk. Join me and let's take a stroll along the cast iron shore and peel off the layers of the glass onion with another great musical guest as we discuss their favorite Beatles or Beatles solo album. This is a special episode of The Walrus Was Paul. It is our fourth Christmas special So thank you so much for joining us and Merry Christmas to you and yours. And I hope you're having a a wonderful Christmas season and kicking back and enjoying it. And thank you for making this little podcast a part of it. I will mention, as a matter of fact, that this little podcast is award winning. The Walrus Was Paul was voted winner Outstanding Music Series at the 2022 Canadian Podcast Awards. So for this year's Christmas special episode, uh, there is no guest. The guest is me. And I thought I'd talk about a Christmas song. We've talked about Beatles Christmas singles, Beatles Christmas number ones, the Christmas records they used to send out to their fans. Uh, we've talked to some of our guests about their Beatles Christmas memories. But I thought that I would talk about a song by one of the Beatles that I believe may well outlast every single Beatles song in terms of getting played and being known by most people. And that song is John Lennon's 1971 song, Happy Xmas, War Is Over. So Why do I think this song will outlast any song by the Beatles? Well, hear me out. Because, dear listener, as this is being recorded, the song is once again sitting just outside of the top 20 on the UK singles chart, where it returns every year and has done for many years now. The song is certainly on the verge of, if it isn't already, becoming a Christmas standard, I think. Now, by that, I mean a song that is sung and known by most people. Think of a song like White Christmas. That song was originally written by the great Irving Berlin for a musical, a 1942 Hollywood musical called Holiday Inn. The song was released and became a hit at the time, but it has since, 80 years later, become a holiday standard. I think most of us would agree on that. Sung by people around the world, year after year, everybody knows White Christmas, and it's been covered by multitudes of other artists. Another example for you, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Originally written by Johnny Marks and recorded and released in 1949 by uh, the singing cowboy Gene Autry. And again, uh, it came out at the time. It was a hit, but it is now evolved Past that, and it is a traditional Christmas song. Everybody knows Rudolph the red Nose Reindeer, and again, it's been covered by multitudes of people. It's a Christmas carol now. It's not a hit record. It's a Christmas carol that little kids sing at Christmas concerts. Now, I'm not quite sure that Happy Christmas War is Over by John Lennon and the Plastic Ono Band and the Harlem Community Children's Choir is quite there yet, but... Give it another 30 years or so, and I think, I think it will be more well known than I Want to Hold Your Hand or Hey Jude. Now, both of those, only a fool would argue, are not far superior songs. Of course they are. I Want to Hold Your Hand, Hey Jude, epic tunes. However, unlike Happy Xmas, War is Over. There is no real annual occasion like Christmas that will result in the song being dusted off and played at the same time every year and climbing back into the public consciousness as well as being covered by other artists the way people do Christmas records now. They'll sing their version, as I mentioned, of White Christmas or Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. As great as I want to hold your hand and Hey Jude are, they don't have that evergreen quality. I don't believe. So that is my theory as to why I think when all is said and done, Happy Christmas, War is Over, may outlast any Beatles or any other John Lennon song for that matter. It's one of those things... 50 years, I won't be around for somebody to tell me I was wrong. So, I'm going to say that I'm right. (laughs) So, before we dig into the song, as you know, dear listener, I like to put things into a bit of context as to what was going on in the world and in the Beatles world. So, let's start with the Beatles world. The Beatles come into 1971 getting along famously and loving one another. Uh, Whoops, sorry. Uh, They entered 1971 busy suing one another. Remember, on New Year's Eve 1970, Paul McCartney wished his former bandmates a happy New Year by (laughs) having them served. Uh, He filed suit against uh, George Harrison, John Lennon, and Richard Starkey, as well as Apple in an attempt to dissolve the Beatles' partnership. He wanted out. So that is how 1971 starts for the Beatles, and that litigation drags on through much of the year and casts appall over all of their individual accomplishments and there were many i'll start with john lennon he starts off the year in january he's at his home in ascot uh, in the uk being interviewed by left-wing activists Tariq ali and robin blackburn for their magazine that was called red mole sort of an underground publication Excerpts of that interview were also published in the Sun newspaper uh, in the UK. Lennon was so energized by his conversation with those two that the next day he headed into his home studio and recorded Power to the People. That was released as a single in March, had moderate success. It was a top 10 single in the UK and Canada and number 11 in the United States. Then from May through June, John Lennon was at work in that home studio recording the Imagine LP. The album was released in September in the U.S. and October in the U.K. And I don't have to tell you, dear listener, at this point, if you listen to this podcast, uh, you're a Beatles fan, you know Imagine was absolutely huge. It was the biggest album that he recorded and released during his lifetime. Uh, It was his last global number one while he was alive. Double Fantasy would later become a number one album, uh, but it became a number one album and sold more than Imagine after John Lennon had been murdered in December of 1980. During his lifetime and probably looking back at his work, Imagine stands very, very tall. It was a fantastic record. That was 1971. The Imagine single was released in North America, uh, bizarrely never released as a single in the UK, but it came out in North America in early October of 1971, I remember it well, I remember uh, having it in the house, it was a sort of a white faded apple on the label, and I remember playing the grooves off of it, the B-side was It's So Hard, my buddy Tim... Another big Beatles fan, we would sit and listen to it on the little record player that I had in my bedroom. Uh, A great, great song. It was a number one single in Canada, number three in the U.S. It was big. So as John Lennon was heading in to record Happy Christmas, War Is Over in October of 1971, he would have been, one would think, in very, very good spirits. Imagine both the album and the single were way up there in the charts. It had been A very good year for John Lennon. Now, what about his old writing partner and pal, the uh, litigious Paul McCartney? Well, McCartney creatively had a busy 1971 and a pretty successful one as well, as you would expect from a couple of ex-Beatles. They were in the biggest pop band in the world. The band had split, but two tremendously talented individuals, they were going to do okay. So in February, Paul McCartney releases his first post-Beatles single, Another Day. That song hits number two on the UK charts and number five on the US Billboard chart. Ram comes out in April of 1971. He'd recorded much of that in uh, late 1970. It comes out in April of 71. It's a number one album in the UK. He releases the single Uncle Albert Admiral Halsey in the U.S. didn't get released as a single in the U.K., but it was, again, I remember from my childhood, this was a big, big song in 1971. It was a number one song, as a matter of fact. McCartney spends July through October getting together his band, Wings, recording and mixing Wildlife, which was released in December of 1971. So, good 1971 for McCartney as well. George Harrison... An interesting 1971. He entered the year riding the crest of a wave created by his first proper solo album. That was, as you would know, All Things Must Pass, which had been released in November of 1970. Monster of an album, and many will tell you the finest Beatles solo album ever. It was big, and it was still high in the charts as 1970 turned into 1971. He released a second single from that album. Uh, the first was, uh, was My Sweet Lord. The second was What Is Life. He released that in February. It went top ten in Canada and the U.S. But he spent much of 1971, he sort of got sidetracked when his friend Ravi Shankar came to him, bemoaning the trouble in his native country, uh, Bangladesh. Bangladesh. And the problems that were going on there, there was starvation, it was war-torn, it was horrible. And he came to his friend, as, as detailed in the song, uh, came to his friend with tears in his eyes and said, what can you do to help? What George Harrison decided to do was organize the concert for Bangladesh in New York City at Madison Square Garden. He spent much of 1971 consumed by that, putting this concert together. The show took place on August the 1st, and it was, boys and girls, the first rock show spectacular charity event. There have been many since. Live Aid jumps to mind and many many other charitable concerts uh put on by rock stars but this was the first this was the first feeling that let's let's take our celebrity as rock and roll stars and do something with it ...in a positive manner. So he organizes this big show... ...actually two shows. There was an afternoon show and an evening show. Both were recorded. And then a live album was released in December of 1971... ...produced by Phil Spector... ...who was the same guy that produced All Things Must Pass. uh, Very much in the Beatle universe. He also works on the song we're talking about today... ...Happy Christmas, War Is Over. But just to get back to Bangladesh for one moment... The biggest names of the day were in this concert. Bob Dylan played, Eric Clapton, Leon Russell, Billy Preston. uh, You had George and Ringo and so on. The guys from Badfinger. There was talk at the time that maybe the Beatles would stage some kind of a reunion. However, circling back to that litigation that was going on and relations were frosty. Ringo Starr was there. He played at the concert. You can see him in the concert footage. Uh, But John Lennon was asked and said no. Uh, The uh, reports were that John wanted to come as a package with Yoko Ono. George said no, we're only interested in having you play. So John said, I'll take a pass. And Paul McCartney, again, uh, involved in litigation with his former bandmates, was in no mood to come and play in this show. But that was George Harrison's 1971 business. One Ringo Starr, I mentioned he did play in the concert, but he spent most of 1971 working on his movie career. Uh, Early in the year, he worked on a, a surrealistic film called 200 Motels that Frank Zappa was behind. If you can find that, It shows up on YouTube occasionally, very bizarre, so Ringo worked on that. But he spent a lot of time, several weeks off and on through June, July, and August, popping in and out of shooting in Italy and Spain. Uh, He was shooting a spaghetti western called Blind Man. He also recorded a song for that film. He did find time to release a single that he had collaborated on with George. They actually collaborated on the song and recorded it back in 1970. I believe it was March of 1970, and it sat on the shelf for quite a while. It finally got released in April of 1971. The song called It Don't Come Easy, uh, and it was a big hit. It was a top 10 single in the U.S., the U.K., and Canada. Ringo played it at the concert for Bangladesh on August the 1st. So that is what was going on in the Beatle world in late 1971 as John Lennon prepared to record this song. Uh, just a quick dip into the real world. The Vietnam War continued to be waged, albeit was becoming more and more unpopular on the domestic front. And the U.S. was starting to withdraw troops in the latter months of 1971. The UK Parliament voted to join the European Economic Community. What a great idea! Joining the EEC. Why would you ever leave that? Hmm. Uh, on the last day of recording of the song, October thirty first, nineteen seventy one, and this just jumped out at me uh, from the newspapers I was looking at. October thirty first, nineteen seventy one, a bomb exploded atop of the Post Office Tower in London, the iconic Post Office Tower, which you can see uh, from uh, Savile Row, site of the Beatles' last concert on the roof of their Apple Building. Richard Nixon was the president of the United States. Edward Heath was the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, and Pierre Trudeau was the Prime Minister of Canada. So, there is some context for you. Let's talk a little bit about where this song came from. The title was borrowed from John and Yoko's Global Billboard campaign from December of 1969, where the couple purchased ads in newspapers and magazines and billboard space in major cities around the world with a peace message war is over if you want it happy christmas from john and yoko you can find photos of these billboards just do a quick search on google Uh, there are tons of them around it was a pretty big deal Uh, their campaign for peace came out of the bed in for peace and so on they were peace campaigners So the campaign was launched in 12 major cities, and those cities were New York, Los Angeles, Toronto, Rome, Athens, Amsterdam, Berlin, Paris, London, Tokyo, Hong Kong, and Helsinki. And the posters were very simple. They were white with stark black lettering. In some of the countries, the message was translated into the native language. And it just said, as I mentioned, war is over if you want it. Happy Christmas from John and Yoko. Very straightforward. In the city from where I am speaking, Toronto, uh, 30 roadside billboards were set up in the city. All around the, the downtown core and the outskirts, thousands of posters and handbills were put up. It's strange. I was reading about, about the history of this campaign, and all those cities that I named, the only city in which there was widespread defacing of the posters was in London. Go figure. John Lennon's recollection of the song from an interview that he did in 1980 with David Sheff he said, Happy Xmas, Yoko, and I wrote together. It says, War is over if you want it. It was still that same message, the idea that we're just as responsible as the man who pushes the button. As long as people imagine that somebody's doing it to them and that they have no control, then they have no control. So true. The basic melody for the song was taken from a 1963 Peter, Paul, and Mary version of a traditional American ballad called Stewball. Give a listen. So Stubble
2: was a race horse, and I wish he were mine. He never drank water, he always drank wine. So, this is Christmas, and what have you done? Another year over and you won't just be gone And so this is Christmas
0: Lennon recorded a home demo of Happy Xmas Wars is over in early October 1971 A few of the words were in place but the melody and the structure was mostly complete uh, Yoko was given a co-writing credit on the song But she's nowhere to be heard in the demo, it's just John Lennon working it out. played the demo for Phil Spector. The producer remarked that the song's opening line, "So this is Christmas, so this is Christmas," was rhythmically identical to the 1961 single "I Love How You Love Me" by The Paris Sisters, which Spector himself had produced, so he would be familiar with it. Uh, at the recording studio, Lennon instructed the guitarist to incorporate mandolin style riffs that we'll talk about in a few moments with that of so, you'll hear it uh, when I play it back for you in a few moments. Uh, but you hear that same kind of riff in a song called Try Some Buy Some, which was a single that Spectre had worked on with George Harrison in February of 1971 for his wife Ronnie Spector, formerly of the Ronettes. Spector also included in the initial tracking session percussion instruments of the sort that he used lots of for his Christmas album in 1963 called A Christmas Gift for You, which I'll talk about a little bit more in a few moments. So the basic tracks for the song were recorded at the record plant in New York City on Thursday, October the 28th, 1971. Interestingly, during this period, uh, John was trying to set up a band utilizing various studio musicians with an eye towards going out on the road sometime in early 1972. The members of this projected group, which was going to be called the John and Yoko Mobile Political Plastic Ono Band Fun Show, (laughs) were John and Yoko... Jim Keltner, the great session drummer, and Klaus Vormann, his old pal from Hamburg days, on bass. Uh, Klaus, of course, also played on John Lennon, Plastic Ono Band. He played with Yoko on her solo album and also played on Imagine. Uh, At the session, you have John, Yoko, uh, Jim Keltner, uh, as well as Nicky Hopkins, the great freelance keyboard player. And a selection of crack New York Session players on various rhythm guitars. Klaus Vormann wasn't there. He was supposed to be. But he was coming from Germany and his flight was held up. Either canceled, delayed, whatever. He couldn't make it. So one of the guys on rhythm guitars had to sub in and play bass. Uh, That track was later wiped. And Klaus played it uh, a couple of days later when he showed up. But more about that in a few moments. I just want to talk a little bit about the rhythm guitar players. Because a couple of them you will know for sure. Great players. Hugh McCracken was one of them. Uh, McCracken you would recognize him his name from playing on Ram with Paul McCartney earlier that year. During his storied career, he showed up on many a Steely Dan album as well as on Donald Fagan solo records. He played with B.B. King. He played with Billy Joel, Carly Simon. He showed up uh, several years later playing with John and Yoko on Double Fantasy. The guy was one Of the greats. I say was one of the greats because sadly he is no longer with us. He passed away as a result of leukemia in 2013. Another name you'd recognize, Stuart Scharf. Uh, He played with Chad Mitchell, Carly Simon, Janice Ian, Al Cooper. You may know him if you're a real music trivia fan. uh, From the 1968 Billboard Top 20 hit, like to get to know you. By Spanky and our gang, he wrote that song. Uh, the other, some of the other players, just looking at the sh- Chris Osborne, Bob Freeze and Teddy Irwin all played on the session. I don't know which one of the guys had to jump onto bass. I wasn't able to find that out, but one of them did, and it was later wiped. So the basic track for Happy Christmas War is Over recorded at the record plant on the 28th of October. Balance Engineer was the owner of the studio, uh, Roy Chicala. Uh, Phil Spector was the producer. As I mentioned, Spector had previously recorded that album that I referred to earlier, the 1963 uh, classic Christmas album, now it is, called A Christmas Gift For You, where he took a bunch of traditional Christmas standards, reworked them, gave them the Spector wall of sound treatment. Now, just as a sort of side note here, uh, talk about all-time bad timing. This album... Coming out for the Christmas season, nineteen sixty-three. It was released on the day that JFK was assassinated. Needless to say, the album stiffed. Uh, it was later re-released by Apple Records in nineteen seventy-two, where it found some pretty good chart success. It was a top ten album during the Christmas season, uh, and it actually bubbles up the charts every year since then. It's it's a really good record. Very much of its time, very Phil Spector-ish, but if you give it a listen, it's pretty good. Uh, so that is called A Christmas Gift for You, that big sound. So the backing track was the first to be recorded. You had Nicky Hopkins on piano, chimes, and glockenspiel. Jim Keltner was on drums and sleigh bells, and then they had all of the guitar rhythm tracks. So let's listen to a few of the isolated tracks that I managed to track down just to give you a bit of an idea for how it may have been put together. Let's have a listen to those very distinctive, very Phil Spector-ish acoustic guitar. Wall of acoustic guitars a sort of a bed for the track. Think of All Things Must Pass by George Harrison, which Spector also produced, where he employed that same technique. It just gives 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 the track a real depth and richness, sort of a bigness. I talked before about that sort of mandolin accent uh, that John Lennon was fond of from the Try Some, Buy Some track that Spectre had worked with George Harrison on earlier in the year. He wanted a bit of that in this song. Uh, Here's how that sounds. So they do those tracks on the 28th of October. They record seven takes of the backing track. Take six was the one that they liked the best. Uh, That was the master. And then they did some more overdubs and this great vocal by John Lennon.
2: So this is Christmas And what have you done Another year over And a new one just begun And And so so this is Christmas I hope you have fun The near and the dear ones The old and the young
1: A very merry Christmas and a happy new year let's hope it's a good one without any fear
0: So the end of the day, they have most of it in place. They do a stereo mix of all of the work up to that point. They call it a day, or they call it a night, I guess, uh, more accurately. It was actually four o'clock the next morning. Uh, So that's that. They call it a day. Then the following night, they're back into the studio, but not to work on Happy Christmas, War Is Over. They were working on what was to become the B-side of the record, a Yoko composition called Listen, the Snow is Falling. This was apparently the first song of hers that Yoko had ever played to John about three years prior to this recording session. Yoko recalls, the first pop song, if you can say pop song, that I ever wrote was, Listen, the Snow is Falling. I did that before John and I got together. Then, when we got together, I made it into a real pop song. When you see the original, you couldn't pick out why it was a pop song. That's Yoko's recollection of the tune. Uh, She sings lead vocals. Lennon and Hugh McCracken played guitar. You have Klaus Vormann playing the bass. uh, So he's arrived from Germany. Nikki Hopkins plays organ and chimes. And Jim Keltner plays drums and sleigh bells. By all reports that I was able to see, the recording sessions were quite tense. There was difficulty on settling on a tempo for the song. The band were sort of defaulting towards playing it fast and as a rock song, uh, which is not how Yoko wanted it to be played. And then Yoko also disagreed with some of the riffs that Hugh McCracken was coming up with, and she didn't like Klaus Vormann's bass lines. Vormann almost walked out of the sessions and had to be talked into staying by John Lennon. Uh, she was criticizing the playing of keyboard player Nicky Hopkins, wanting him to play a certain way. Uh, her quote was, I, "I wanted to, I wanted him to play as if snow was melting from his fingertips, not that banging." Uh, so, a lot of tenseness going on in the studio. Which, to be fair. Probably happens a lot during the recording process. If you're a musician, uh, I'm sure you're in there. Any creative process, you're going to have people with strong opinions, things wanting to be done a certain way. But that was what it was like. And the interesting thing is that the ultimate recording, the product of all of that stress, turned out to be quite a serene song, despite all the studio tension. They take a day off. Then on October the 31st, uh, they go in and they're going to finish off happy Christmas war is over Klaus Vorman records his bass guitar part so they wipe the original bass track and Vorman comes in and plays the bass part they also record the Harlem community choir there were 30 kids uh, there to do that
1: what is-
0: They also recorded the strings. recorded the spoken word introduction which is you remember that right at the start of the song it's it's john lennon saying you know happy christmas uh, julian and yoko saying happy christmas kiyoko so they're saying happy christmas to their kids uh that has been i've seen it in in liner notes incorrectly written as you know happy christmas john happy christmas yoko that's not what is being said it is happy christmas kiyoko happy christmas julian without question Happy Christmas, Yoko. Happy Christmas, Julian. Funny story about that day, too. According to one report that I saw, Yoko was in a foul mood. Uh, Maybe from the recording session on her song. Maybe she was still uh, ticked that things didn't go quite the way she wanted them to. Who knows? Uh, Only people who were there and I certainly wasn't. But she was in a rotten mood to the point that John Lennon, according to the one report I saw, had to take her aside and tell her to stop swearing in front of all the kids who were there from the choir. Uh, The sleeve photography for the single was also taken during the session. Ian McMillan was the photographer there to take the promotional photos that were later used on the jacket for the single. Ian McMillan, that name should ring a bell to Beatles fans because he was the same photographer who shot the Abbey Road cover. He worked a lot with John and Yoko between 1969 and 1971. He even stayed at their house in New York City for a time. So he was very much in the Beatles' orbit. So Klaus redid his bass part. You had the choir that was recorded, and then they put in the strings. Then the track was given a final mix, done and dusted. All set to be released. The song was not a success when it was initially released in the United States. A few reasons for this, one of them perhaps being that it was released a little bit too late to make a charge on the Christmas singles market. It was released on December the 1st, 1971. Uh, The main factor, those at the time uh, said, was a lack of promotion mostly due to it being recorded so late in the year, and the single, hard to believe now, the single did not even chart. Didn't make the top 100 singles chart. In the United Kingdom, it wasn't even released in 1971. There was a dispute over Yoko Ono's contribution to the songwriting, John Lennon was going back and forth with the music publisher about that, because of course that would cut into their share of the royalties. So it wasn't released until a year later, Christmas of 1972. Now it did a fair bit better in the UK. It was issued and peaked at number four on the singles chart. This year, 2023, as I speak, Christmas week, it is number 21 on the UK singles chart. So it comes back quite reliably every year. The song was reissued in the UK following Lennon's death in 1980. It reached number two, which is the highest it's ever been. It's never been number one in the UK. Uh, It also charted the following couple of years and continues to chart every Christmas season. Uh, It has never been a number one single in the UK or the US or Canada. It never showed up on an album until 1975, and I remember this. It showed up on the compilation Shaved Fish, uh, where, unfortunately, it segued early into a a live version of Give Peace a Chance, featuring Stevie Wonder on vocals. That was taken from a live performance. Uh, And then the 45 version finally showed up got a full release on the CD, John Lennon Collection, in 1982, so quite a few years later before it sees a proper release on an album. The best version that you'll hear is on the 2020 Give Me Some Truth compilation. Sounds great. The label for uh, Happy Christmas War Is Over single, at the time, featured not the Apple, But a five-shot sequence of John Lennon's face morphing into Yoko Ono's, which was shot by Ian McMillan, it was the first time uh, that the Apple Records logo had not been used on a John Lennon single. Uh, The single, when it came out, was available on green or black vinyl. That was in the United States. In terms of sales, as per chartmasters.org, the song has just over 2 million physical sales, making it the fifth highest selling single for John Lennon. Imagine is number one with almost 5 million physical sales. It has another 1.85 million digital sales, second only to Imagine, and it has streamed 84 million times on Spotify and 85 million times On YouTube the song has been covered by many some of the earliest of the other versions of happy Christmas war is over are on holiday albums released by some major singers uh, such as I still believe in Santa Claus by Andy Williams Uh, the Christmas album by Neil Diamond in 1992 a very special season by Diana Ross so they've all covered it Uh, Canada's Celine Dion covered it in 1998 Singer-songwriter Sarah McLachlan had a huge album called Winter Song, which was the best-selling Christmas album of the year and a Grammy nominee in 2006. You'll find her cover version of the song on that album. In November of 2019, John Legend released a new version of the song, uh, including string arrangements by Matt Jones, which featured an improvised solo by a violin player named Scott Tixier. Uh, That reached number nine on the UK singles chart. So, it is out there, a Christmas standard, or certainly well on the way to becoming one. So, that is it. Happy Christmas, War is Over by John Lennon, Yoko Ono, and the Plastic Ono Band from 1971. A terrific song, and it was fun kind of looking into the story behind the song. That is our Christmas special this year. I wish you and yours a very Merry Christmas. All the best over the holiday season and all the best to you and yours in 2024. Just around the corner. As a matter of fact, maybe it's already 2024 while you're listening to this. Back with more episodes throughout the year of The Walrus was Paul. Some great guests coming up. And... Uh, do find us on all the socials. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter, X, at the handle Romanuk Paul. You can also do a search on Facebook for the Walrus Was Paul podcast page. And, uh, yeah, I always like to hear from you. You can always send me an old school email at the.romicast at gmail.com. That is the.romicast at gmail.com. Always appreciate as well any donation you might see fit to make to keep this little podcast going. You can do that by going to the podcast homepage, RomyCast.com, and click on the Support the Walrus button. But that is it for me for now. Again, Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Thanks for listening, and all the best to you. I'll talk to you later. Happy Christmas, Carol. Happy Christmas, Julian.
2: So, so this, this is, is Christmas. Christmas. What have you done Another year over And a new one just begun And so this is Christmas